Good morning, everyone. So good to see each and every one of you, especially those of you who are visiting with us. We want you to know that you are a welcome guest and that we're thankful that you have taken time out of, no doubt, a busy life to be here to, this morning to spend these moments worshiping together with one another. Before I get started in the lesson, let me share with you a couple of things that I think are important for your um, knowledge to know about, and that is, number one is our invitation to Ivydale. We're having a grand opening there on May the 22nd. It begins early in the morning, not actually early in the morning, but 10 o'clock to 3 o'clock. You're going to be able to see how, our, how Ivydale has been, a lot of revision has been done with it. It's just an incredible camp, and so I'd encourage you to be up there for that. And so remember May the 22nd. And then we also remember on June the 4th through the 6th that we're having a, a widowhood workshop. And that's going to be for uh, widows and widowers. It's for married couples and anyone who wants to work with those who have been widowed. And so I really encourage you to think about participating in that workshop. It's for all ages, and I think it's going to be one that's really going to be beneficial to us as a congregation, uh, to you as an individual. So as you know, for the last, I guess, about a month, I have been emphasizing the idea of, of heroes. And I've shared with you that when you talk about heroes, well, heroes come in all shapes and sizes. They are both males and, and females. They are people that sometimes when you look at them, you don't think of them as being heroes, but you discover after watching their lives that they actually are, that there are some incredible things about that individual. They are people who have acted courageously. They are, they are people who have acted with nobility when it comes down to their character and how they address just life in and of it, itself. And we've looked at two individuals thus far. We've talked about Abraham, and we saw that Abraham demonstrated an incredible faith. And he's seen as a hero of faith, and he's found over in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, as a remarkable individual. At one point in his life, he was asked by God to leave his homeland and go to a strange country. Abraham, he didn't argue with him. He didn't try to make excuses. He simply went out to that uh, unknown land, and he did so out of faith. Later on at the age of 100, 100 and his wife being 90 years old, they had a, a child, his first son, Isaac. And of Isaac, God asked him to sacrifice him to me, give him back uh, to me. And Abraham, once again, without any kind of argument, he offered up his son as a, a sacrifice. He tested, he passed the test with, with flying colors. And then last week, we looked at this woman who demonstrated an extravagant a love towards Jesus out of gratitude because of the way he cared for her and loved her and no doubt even forgave her of her sins. The result was that she is weeping and her tears are falling upon his feet and she wipes them with her hair and she anoints his feet with a, a very expensive vial of perfume. Those were all demonstration of great courage. They were demonstration of great nobility of character. They stand out in my mind as those who are who are heroes. How many of you have ever been to the state of Tennessee? How many of you have driven on the roads in Tennessee? Let me tell you what, maybe it's because I'm from Idaho or have lived in Idaho too long, but I've been to the state of Tennessee and I've driven on their highways, their freeways, and I'm here to tell you that those people, they drive like they think they're in a, a NASCAR race or they're in the part of a smoking a bandit movie. I mean, they drive, they drive really fast down there. The APA, AP came out with a story about a lady in Nashville, Tennessee, 
who was driving down the road. The highway patrol noticed the car that she was driving in, that the windows were all broke out of the car. The roof was caved in. Three of the tires were flat, and yet it's going down the road. It obviously had been in a, a total wreck. So the officer pulls her over, and he begins to talk with her. And, and, and what he discovered was that, that the woman that was driving the car, she was absolutely surprised that she had been in an accident. In fact, she said she, had no, she didn't know anything had happened until she thought to roll down her window and discovered that there wasn't a window there and that she had been in an accident. Upon further uh, uh, discussion and, and looking into what had gone on there, the highway patrolman asked her if she had been drinking. And she said, well, I, I may have had two or three beers. And then they did a breath test on her and find out that she had had a lot more than three beers, that she had totally wrecked her car. So here you have a woman who is totally drunk. She has been in an accident. All of her windows have been knocked out of her car. The roof has been caved in. Three of the tires are flat. And she is surprised that she has been in an auto wreck. And I thought to me that when you think about mothers, is it possible like this drunk woman who was surprised that she had been in an accident, would it be surprising that maybe... Mothers would be surprised to learn that they are heroes. I thought about that illustration. I thought, I don't know if that completely works all the way. Uh, there has a, but I think most mothers, when you talk to them, they would be surprised to think that people actually do think of being a mother as being a hero in, in life. But I'm here to tell you that I, I guarantee your children certainly do look at you as a hero. Well, how do I, I know that? The other night, back last week, uh, my youngest grandson, Crew, is five years of age. He stayed overnight with us. And when he stayed overnight with us, you know, I think it was the first time he ever stayed overnight with us. And so there was con some concern that he would be okay, that he wouldn't miss his mom and that he would, wouldn't start crying and get lonely and want his mommy and, and all those things. So there was a concern about that. And so Crew, during the day, he went into the, the, the kitchen or in the uh, breakfast nook area and Lori had given him a bunch of paper and what he did is he fashioned from this paper a mommy complete with hair I mean with with a head with arms with legs if you look at Nicole you would see that's a, a, almost an exact representation <laughs> of her but that's what he fashioned he, he made that thing he also made a picture that's up in the corner there and on that picture is a picture of his family there's Nicole, there is Logan, there is her dad, there's Dempsey, and even the dog that was there, and even a dog that is no longer around. Those are all there, and he took these things, and he went into the bedroom where he's going to sleep in, at, in Nana and Papa's room, and he had brought a, a sleeping bag along with him, and he laid the sleeping bag in front of the bed, our, our bed, and beside that bed roll, he placed this action figure. He didn't place, you know, a superhero action figure. He didn't put a Batman or a Superman or, or anything like that. I think he might have had a little small Tyrannosaurus Rex. But, but he didn't put any of those action figures. What he did was he had a paper action figure of his hero, which was his mother. Children look at their parents and they look at their mothers and they see them as someone that is bigger than life it, itself. And so mothers are, they, they are irreplaceable. And so for you women, happy Mother's Day. We honor you and we respect you so much for all the work and all the tireless deeds that you do in order that your family can be in a good place and that your homes are healthy and that they are happy. 
One person penned this, my purpose in life calls me mama. And so the greatest purpose of life for any Christian from a Christian perspective is to glorify God. The greatest purpose for a Christian mother from her perspective that she glorifies God and that she takes care and handles right that charge that has been given to her to raise up as a, a mother. So this morning's lesson is called Mothers with a, a Purpose. And as we begin to go down through the lesson, you'll start to get an idea of what I am talking about. I want to begin by looking at a couple passages of Scripture that really are connected in, in some ways. As you know, Paul the Apostle, he is the writer of 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. Other than Jesus Christ himself, he's probably the most influential Christian that has ever been. And when Paul oftentimes talked about himself, there were a number of descriptions of himself, but what, two of the descriptions that he uses is one as being a spiritual father, the other is being a spiritual uh, mother, if, if you will. The first passage of Scripture is found over in 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter and verse 15. Here's what Paul writes. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So in this passage of scripture, Paul likens himself to a spiritual father. And he says, you have a lot of guides when it comes down to uh, Christ. You have teachers, you have preachers, you have elders, you have a lot of different people that might be working in your lives, but you only have one spiritual father, and I was the one that came to Corinth, and you became Christians as I shared with you the good news of Jesus Christ. He compares himself with a father, and as a father, he feels a strong responsibility for those Christians that are in Corinth, in fact, in almost every place. Another passage of scripture is found over in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 7. There he says, But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. There's probably not anything more intimate or gentle looking than a mother that is nursing her, her child. And so Paul, he compares himself to a mother that he was gentle with the church in Thessalonica. I would say that he's probably gentle with all the churches that he had established to share with them the gospel. And so when Paul thinks about himself, he compares himself, one, to a father, and two, to a mother. And so he is encouraging us to be much like that and that you mothers would be like that. And so what I would encourage you to do is, mothers, I want you to see your role of being a mother through the lens of a spiritual parent or a man who saw himself as a spiritual father or a man who saw himself as a spiritual mother. And that's in, in, important when you think about fathers and, and things like that. In fact, psychologists say that uh, when it comes down to fathers that girls oftentimes tend to marry men who are a lot like their fathers which another person replied to that by, by saying, and that's probably why so many women cry at weddings. Well, <laughs> there's some truth to that, maybe at least to some degree. But Colossians, the second chapter, verses 1 through 5, has, I think, some important things to say to us. And so let me invite you to open your Bibles to that section of Scripture over to Colossians, uh, chapter 2. I actually want to begin looking at chapter 1, however, in order that we might be able to set some context up here for us and what Paul's aim is, because his aim and his purpose that he is trying to drive towards is that of completeness or spiritual maturity for the Christians in Colossae, but for almost all the churches, which would involve each and every one of us. Beginning in verse 24 of chapter 1. 
Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I do not share on behalf of this body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Of this church I was made a minister according to the one according to the stewardship from God bestowed upon me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is, the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to us saints, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now listen to verse 28. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete or mature in Christ. For this purpose I also labor, striving according to the power which mightily works within me. For I want you to know what great struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face." that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this to, so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument, for even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. What I want us to do is I want to look at how Paul progressively works through the idea of bringing those members in Colossae to that of maturity. And what I want to do is I want to make a comparison with you as mothers as you help your children to pro progress as well. Think of it in terms of, say, a three-story building and steps to lead to each floor. There is a process where you go through the steps to, to floor one, the steps to floor two, the steps to the ultimate goal that you're trying to achieve. That is Paul's interest. Paul's interest, as he writes to these people here, is that of maturity that of discipline, that of firmness in their faith. And what I want you to see is that as mothers, you have a huge role when it comes down to helping this next generation to become firm in their faith and that they are mature and that they live lives that are faithful to, to God. So the lesson we recall is mothers with a purpose. We begin with number one. Mothers with a purpose are those who encourage Look again at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 2 of Colossians. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. And then look at verse 2. That their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love. So Paul is all about encouraging uh, those people. There. I would say to you that as mothers, you need to be those who are about encouraging your children. In fact, mothers, you, you need to make every effort to ensure that your children are successful at what really matters in life. There are a lot of things that call us in this life to do in life. But really, there's only one thing that really matters in life. And that is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, to know who Jesus Christ is and how he fills up our lives and how he makes our life have purpose in, in it. 
Look at what Paul says. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those who are at Laodicea and for all who have, seen me, have not seen me face to face. This word struggle is an interesting word. If you were to go back to its etymology, you would see that the word has its origination in the Olympic Games in, in Greece. And there it has to do with the idea of agonizing to exhaustion in their, you know, separate uh, feet that they were going to try to accomplish, whether it was wrestling or whether it was throwing a discus or throwing a javelin or whether it was racing, uh, whatever it might be, they, it says, they agonize to exhaustion, and that's the word that Paul uses here. I want you to know that I have agonized to exhaustion. In fact, the word that is used there is the word ayanazomai, which is a word that means exhaust. So he is exhausting himself, moving his, the people along in a process of that of, of maturation. And that's what mothers need to be doing. Mothers need to be moving our children in things that matter the very most. When you look at verse 28 and 29 that we just read in the first chapter, in that section of Scripture, Paul uses words that have to do with bringing those people to a completeness. But look at verse 29, because in verse 29, you see a lot of action kind of words that are really related to this word struggle. Look what he says. For this purpose I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Those words, you have four words there that have to do with striving, with agonizing. You have words that have to do with lots of energy being placed there or having a tremendous amount of power that is there. Paul says, I'm using everything at my, at my hands to make sure that you are growing and that you are surging forward in your faith. And so in the context, Paul is saying, I'm making every effort to ensure that every Christian is presented mature in Christ, that that's what matters the most to them when this life is over with and how they have matured is going to mean everything to them. So just as an athlete will struggle in preparing for a various event in the competition, mothers are to exert all their strengths. Mothers are to fight to see that their children are surging forward in their spiritual progress. Mothers are to fight to see that their children stand on the pedestal, if you will, the pedestal in victory, emotionally, morally, and spiritually mature in their faith. This is what matters most because it's the one thing that is eternal. It probably matters more than the job that they're going to have. It probably matters more than the mate that they're going to choose. It matters more than any sport activity or any choir or, or any drama thing or any band. It matters more than any of those things. Now, I understand that when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about Christian maturity. It won't matter a lot if you become the greatest engineer in the world if your child is not faithful to Christ. Or if they become a professional athlete, if they become a professional athlete, they need to be Christian athletes. And if they become, you know, movie stars, then they need to be Christian movie stars. You get the idea of what I'm saying is that we need to help our children to move forward in their, their faith. Any parent knows that moving our children to be successful requires a considerable amount of work but what a joy it is to see the proof in the pudding after they have you know left your home 
and have entered into the world, they take the first steps of their own faith, not the faith of their parents or of their mother or their but their own faith, where they have been truly converted to Jesus Christ, and you have helped them to mature in their faith, so now they can stand alone and fly on their, their own. So Paul says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. I'm saying to you as mothers, you need to struggle. You need to agonize. You need to make every effort to make sure that your children are firm in their faith. Here's the second thing, or the second floor. Mothers with a purpose, they protect their children. Whenever I think of the protection of a mother, right away I think about uh, grizzly bears. I mean, grizzly bears, they don't mess with my cubs. That's a mama bear. Some of you have been probably known or have been accused of being mama bears. That means that you're willing to go to the mat. It means that you're willing to do everything you can to protect your children. When I was looking up trying to find a picture of this, I ran across a Yellowstone scene that happened this year where it shows a mother bear who has two cubs, and she is surrounded by a, a pack of wolves. And she defends her cubs like you cannot believe. I mean, she is charging them. She is swatting at them. She is biting at them. She was taking care of her cubs. Well, if a mama bear knows to take care of her cubs, then certainly mothers should know that we are to be protectors of our children. And so mothers, you need to protect your children from false and enticing words. Look at verse 4. I say this in order that no one may delude you with well-crafted but false arguments. There are going to be a lot of things that are going to be coming into the ears of your children. And you need to be protecting them. You are the walls. You are the thin line that's between them and the culture of this world. And you need to be protecting them. How can you do that? The way you protect your children is from the word of God. You teach them the word of, of God. And in doing so, you'll help teach them wholesome and spiritual values that will serve them throughout their entire uh, life. And so your children, they need your help in order that they might avoid the deceitful traps of smooth-talking religious salesmen, agnostic salesmen, atheistic salesmen, immorality salesmen. There's a lot of that going on in our world where a lot of messages are being sent out to our children. You as a mother, you need to protect them from enticing words. Listen, for the most part, the school system that your children attend their friends, their sports teams, choir, band, uh, they're not going to teach your, your children about God's values and his standards. I'm not saying that they won't, that they're not Christian uh, uh, teachers. We have some in our congregation. And I think they uphold good the good values of God. But for the most part, that's not probably so. That's not their job, really, uh, to do that. That really is our job they might be taught about sex education they might be taught about alternative lifestyles or uh, philosophical tolerances of the world but they're not going to be taught about god and about right and wrong good and evil the standards are, they're not going to be taught about that that's your job as a parent your job as a parent is to make sure that you are raising your children up to maturity and that you are protecting them for the enticing words that oftentimes go on around them. Mothers, you need to protect your children from lies. 
Think about uh, living in a city that is surrounded by the enemy. It's a surrounded by the enemy. The city is locked up tight. And you know that within the perimeters of that city, there have been those who have infiltrated. And their job is to undermine all the things that that city is about, to break down its defenses. I want you to know that you, like a, a parent, or have a family, and it's like a city that is surrounded by the enemies. And you need to be careful of those that try to infiltrate and tell your children lies that are there about so many different things. Paul said this, such persons do not serve our, the Lord, do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they will deceive the hearts of the naive. And so mothers, you need to be the voice that's in your children's heads. You need to be the wall of defense that surrounds them. You need to teach them to think carefully about the things that go in the gateways, that which goes in their eyes and in their ears, and that you need to be protecting them from those, those things. That's what your job as a parent really is. Here's a third four for you to think about. Mothers with a purpose help their children reach their full spiritual potential. Paul, when he looked at the church in Colossae, in fact, when he looked at all the churches, his whole thought was that of maturing them, bringing them to a completion in their faith so that they will not be enticed, so they will not be misled, and that there's a potential that he wants them to rise to. Look at verse 5. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit. Now listen to this. Rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. There's a joy that's in Paul because he says, even though I have not seen you face to face, I have heard that you are disciplining yourselves. I'm hearing that you are in good order, that there is a firmness. It's a military word, by the way, talking about a healthy military uh, body or, or regiment. And he's saying, as, as I am looking at you as a, a church, I'm seeing that this is a good thing and that there is a great potential that is, is there for you. And so a mother's desire is to see her children reach the full spiritual maturity, their full potential as God's children. They have been given into your charge. Look and listen carefully, mothers. You cannot think that your children are just going to drift to Jesus in this culture. They're not just going to drift to Jesus in this culture. In fact, it might be just the opposite. The opposite is possible for your children to drift away from God, even though you're bringing them to church. And all those things, there's a lot of voices that are in their ears. There is a philosophy that is out there. There are things that are out there that are on a very, a very worldly wavelength that are being taught to your children. They get it at school. They get it from their friends. They get it from their peers. They get it from commercials. They get it from TV, from movies, from the music that they listen to. Those are all things that are gateways into your children's souls. And so your children are not just going to accidentally drift to come to a, a maturity or a strength or a firmness in faith to God or to his son, Jesus Christ, and to the church that he has blood-bought. It's not just going to happen. It has to be done intentionally, which means you have to really up your game. Mothers must be intentional in maturing a child's spiritual maturity. How do you do that? Well, number one, 
is you need to constantly be praying for your children's conversion. I'm not talking about, by the way, of them being baptized. I mean, you want that to happen. You want them to be obedient to their faith and to be immersed into Christ for the remission of their sins and to be added to the church of their names enrolled in the book of heaven. But it goes far beyond that. There's a lot of 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds and 15-year-olds and 17-year-olds who are baptized into Christ who have not been fully converted in their hearts and in their minds. You need to be praying that your children will be wholly converted, not just dunked, but they're converted in their minds that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he has established a church, that God does have values and standards that move from their heads to their hearts, and then it's acted out in their lives. You need to be intentional about that, which means you need to be praying every night for your children and their conversion. Number two, you need to model godly lifestyles. So what does a, modely, a godly lifestyle look like in terms of a model? You've probably heard me say this before. You need to do things consistently. You need to teach consistently. You need to model consistently. You need to discipline consistently. Not from time to time, consistently. So you need to model a godly lifestyle on a consistent basis. Not just when you come to church. But seven days a week, where they're watching after the things that you say are important, the things that matter the most to you. So, number one, you can model a godly lifestyle by teaching them the word, both formally and informally. Formally is when you bring your children to Bible classes. Your children need to be in Bible classes. They need to be in a place where they can learn from other teachers. That's important. They need to be around other children so that they build a fellowship and they build their friendships within the body of believers. And so you need to make sure that they're being taught formally the word of God. They need to be taught informally. When you're at home, you need to be teaching your children the word of God. You need to be taking advantage of teachable moments that sometimes happen around the dinner table or happen as you're driving down the road in a car. You need to be teaching your children the truth that is found in God's word. You need to be praying aloud. They need to hear you pray aloud. Why is that? Well, because, number one, it's saying that God is of extreme importance to you to speak to him but when you pray aloud they hear the things that are important to you as a mother they hear the things that you know are on your heart the things that matter the most to you they need to hear those those prayers they need to see those things don't try to be god you're not there's only one god and there's only one savior but you're to direct them toward him and to him you're to be like paul you need to struggle to make every effort you need to be disciplined you need to be gentle you need to be loving you need to be caring but you need to move them to a close relationship with god mothers with a purpose when i thought about that mothers you have been given the, the opportunity to be a spiritual influence don't waste your opportunity. And what do I mean by that? My intention is not to lay heavy burdens on you as mothers, but there is one truth that is true, 
your children only have one mother. Actually, after I wrote that on the PowerPoint, I thought to myself, I don't even believe that. I do want to lay a heavy burden on you. I do. I want you to know that your children, they have, they'll have lots of friends, a multiplicity of friends and teachers and coaches and a lot of things. They'll have a lot of those people in their lives, but they only have one mother. And mothers, the time will go by so fast that you won't even believe it. Some of you mothers are in the midst of raising up your children, and you're saying, well, it sounds, feels like a long time to me, Richard. I don't think there's a mother that hasn't walked that doesn't believe that or have said that. But I don't know of mother who are the seasoned ones that we talked about a little bit earlier that have not experienced that and said, man, did that go by fast. I thought it would be a lot shorter than that. And so I just want you to, I want you to, to, to believe that and to soak it in. Soak the opportunities to encourage your children. Soak in the opportunities to protect your children, to help your children to become the full potential that God has intended for them to, to be. I found this. A sister in the church posted this, and I thought, man, I'm going to save that for Mother's Day one of these days. And so listen to these words here. When you first have children, they talk about the challenges of parenting, the struggles of a baby waking in the night, the toddler who won't stay in their bed, the cost of childcare, injuries from sports, having to take off work to pick them up from school when they don't feel well, helping them with homework, a messy house, the never-ending laundry, the cost to buy school clothes, packing their lunches. You watch their eyes light up on Christmas morning and try to soak in the magic of those moments. You coach them in sports, rushing to practices and ball games, and toting them all over the country to let them play the game they love, no matter how exhausting or expensive it becomes. Life is just so busy that you rarely even stop to think what the end of those days look like. In fact, it's not really even something you can wrap your mind around. You go into it thinking that 18 to 20 years sounds like a long time, and then suddenly... Hours turn into days and days into months and months into years. That little person that used to crawl up next to you in your bed and cuddle up and watch cartoons suddenly becomes this young adult who hugs you in the hallway as they come and go. And the chaos and the laughter that used to echo throughout your home gets filled with silence and solitude. You've learned how to parent a child who needs you to care for and to protect them, but have no clue how the whole letting go thing is supposed to work. And so you hold on as tight as you can, wondering how time passed so quickly, feeling guilty that you missed something, because even though you had 20 years, it just somehow doesn't seem like it was enough. You ask yourself many questions. Did you teach them the right lessons? Did you read to them enough books as a child, spending enough time playing with them? How many school parties did you have to miss? Do they really know how much you love them? What could I have done better as a parent? When it's time to let them go, it all hits you like a ton of bricks. Parenting is by far the most amazing experience of your life. That times leaves you exhilarated, while other times leaves you heart broken but one thing is certain 
It's never enough time. So for all the parents with young children whose days are spent trying to figure out how to make it through the madness, the exhausted day in and day out activities, soak it all in. Because one day all those crazy days full of cartoons and snuggles and sleepovers and Christmas morning magic and ball games and practices and late night dinners all come to an end. And you're left hoping that you did enough right so that when they spread their wings, they'll fly. Motherhood. Mothers, be the hero you are called to be that your children look to. You are the heroes of their lives. They don't probably tell you that near enough, but you are. And if you need proof of that, then look at that little character or caricature of Nicole Taylor. That's how her baby boy sees her, his hero. So when Lori is trying to comfort Crew and he's acting kind of weepy, and that little stick figure is laying beside him, Lori is laying down beside him, rubbing his back, and singing some songs to him. And Lori asked him, she goes, Crew, do you like that? He said, no. <laughs> My mommy doesn't do that. <laughs> and so Lori got up and left him, and he was a little bit weepy, but his mom was beside him. His hero was there. And that's how children see you mothers, as their heroes as their examples, as those who raised them to know God and Jesus through the lives that you, you live. May God bless you as mothers. And may you have a happy Mother's Day. Beyond that, the most important thing that I can think of before I close the lesson is, is to offer an invitation to those of you who might need to respond. Maybe there's something on your heart that you would like us to pray with you for and pray about with you. Or maybe that you'd like to respond to the gospel invitation to put on Christ in baptism. This is your opportunity to do so while together we stand and sing and give you that opportunity once you come. When with the Savior we enter the glory.